I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts. On today's episode, we're talking with Yasmin Safazara, who is an artist and the program director at Kimball Jenkins School of Art in Concord, and Sarah Jones, the program manager at Waypoint. This episode was recorded live at the New Hampshire State Council on the Arts Arts Partnership Fall 2023 Conference Woven, gathering at the intersections at Sanborn Mills Farm in Loudoun, New Hampshire. We have a lot of ground to cover, so let's jump right into this episode of Creative Guts with Yasmin Safrazada and Sarah Jones. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Ditto. (laughs) Before we dive into learning more about the collaboration between your two organizations, could you tell us a little bit more about yourselves and your work and how it relates to this project and why you're passionate about this work? Sure. So I'm Sarah Jones. I am a housing justice advocate. I work with young people who are experiencing homelessness, who are unaccompanied, um, away from their families. So what that looks like is I oversee three drop-in centers across the state of New Hampshire and outreach teams that go out into the community to find young people, to connect them to services, to their communities, to meaningful participation, and to helpfully have them move forward in their lives. I was a young person who experienced homelessness. I had some social capital that allowed me to move forward in a different way. Part of my work is helping to pass that on. Not everybody comes with that, so that's where like these programs can be really important. My name is Yasamin Safarzadeh, and I am the Director of Curation and Programming over at Kimball Jenkins. I work with a really fabulous team, and we try to, I suppose, decolonize the landscape of art curation and narration, and we also echo those ethics within our programming out in the community. And we partner with really fabulous organizations like Waypoint, like My Turn, like Queer Elective, in order to actually achieve enrichment goals more successfully. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. There are organizations like Waypoint that are doing outreach for underserved youth far better than us. So why don't we bolster that as an arts organization? Yeah, and a little bit about myself. I don't know, poster child for... (laughs) trauma and under-resourced, you know, situations. I think, I think historically the arts is an incredibly exclusive environment. So I've always been the token sender out to South Central back in LA or, you know, like work with incarcerated youth, new Americans. And I wasn't allowed to move up from that at all. So I was like, okay, what's going on with these people? What degrees do they have? So I got the degrees. I got like more and more degrees just so that on paper I could get through this gatekeeping. And at a certain point I sort of just set out and did kind of a wild sort of figure it out myself, sort of mutual aid, anarchistic, like really on the ground stuff. And as a result of that, I started to be seen in this community as a consistent individual that was around. Okay. (laughs) That's great. That's great. 
So you're working together to facilitate the creation of a mural at Waypoint's Drop-In Center in Manchester, working with unhoused youth and young adults who are clients of Waypoint's Homeless Youth Services. Can you tell us about what are some of the, the needs, the challenges, the opportunities that precipitated this project? It's like, okay. There's so many. Um, there's a lot of needs. I mean, resources, like finances is like period, like the biggest thing. I think also, again, you're talking about skilled people who can work in these units and not experiencing high turnover rate, which again goes back to actually compensating people, giving them enough time to breathe and heal from the work. So there's a lot of that. So I sort of, with this work, don't want to be the only person that does it. And so this opportunity is really interesting because part of our agreement is that we continue to bring in new artists to the space. But this isn't just like throw in a new artist, do something cool. They have to have the training, the experience, the exposure to sustain themselves in a space and not trigger clients and not belittle them and not, you know, make them feel alienated. And so that's years and years of work, or you actually work with people who have been in that demographic before. And I think that's part of what's really special about this is the creation of like peer facilitators, right? So that's moving it forward with the lens of mentorship, with leadership, and being able to have a young person in that experience elevate and move forward and pass it back. So it becomes kind of this living, breathing, sustainable thing over time that is like always youth centric at its core. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Yeah, truly. And how will Waypoint's youth clients be directly engaging in this project? Can you tell more about the process with that? I mean, they're engaged at all levels, right? And so this like some history here starts with folks just showing up and doing like low hanging art stuff with young people. And then over time, so this took like a year to get to this point to where trust is built and the sacred space is held. And then young people are now like implementing, designing, doing events, coordinating, right, for our unveiling, connecting with people in their greater community, going out to places and experiencing the community at large. Because when you think about when you're in house, you're living in a shelter, you are marginalized from the community, you are excluded from spaces in the community, your voice doesn't matter in the community, and you avoid other places in the community. So how do we make those things accessible? How do we bring those things in? And how do we elevate, right? Because they are creators, leaders, change makers who deserve that platform to be exalted in, right? And so they are integral at every single space of this because if we do this, I mean, like we, adults, do everything, right? And like youth are never allowed to like explore and play and create and do all of these things when youth are the ones that should be, they're experts in their lives. They have the expertise and need to be elevated to do this themselves. And so we're just the paper pushers behind the scenes teaching some of these skills, yes, facilitating and then allowing go forth, do, right. change. Wow. Right. That's uh, wonderful. You know, we've released, this is not on our question list, so sorry to throw a, a <laughs> random one out so early. We've recorded, released about almost 100 full-length interviews with artists. And something that comes up all the time is like, Creative Guts believes that everybody's creative. Everybody's an artist, even if they don't know that they are, don't think that they are. And so topics like imposter syndrome come up all the time. Topics like, well, I don't really feel like an artist. Like, is that something that like the youth and that like you sort of have to overcome? Like, of course you are. Everybody's creative. Everybody's an artist. You have that within you. I think the cool thing about young people is they don't have 
a lot of us have been hurt, I think, by growing up in spaces where we have to be somebody that we're not or we have to let go of magical thinking and we let go of these like wild passions that we have. I think that's something really spectacular about these young people in that you're like, oh, that's too much wild passion. I'm exhausted. No, you can't do that. But then I have to ask myself, why? Why is it no? So it's actually, there's, I don't think, I think there's a little bits of moments where you're like, and we experience this with adults. So much of teaching adults is battling their ego. So this, so much of it is just like, oh, God, nobody cares. You're in this space. Let's learn. But so um, so with the, there's a couple times where they're like, well, I don't do art. And it's like, OK, well, we're paying. So it's a salary like it's salary. Right. So this is exciting. That's compensation. So just do a collage or put pieces together. And so how or do you write? OK, writing is also art or let's X what is your culture such that we can integrate that into this piece? Or if this isn't your jam, let's have you do social media engagement. So it's a lot of meeting. I mean, you hear this all the time, but you got to meet your people where they're at Mm. and you can't push something on them that isn't their jam. Right. So it's all secretly art. It's all secretly to take over the world. We don't need to to share that right off the bat. (laughs) And so you just mentioned, you know, social media and a couple other elements. Do you want to talk, either of you, about some of the the skills that youth participants will be developing while participating in the project as a whole? And, you know, why are these specific skills important for Waypoint youth? So young people who are experiencing homelessness are creative and resourceful all of the time, right? And so some of it is honing your resourcefulness and honing your creativity because you're in the hustle, right? And so how do we transpose the hustle from this to this, right? So like a skill transposition. And then some of it is like learning brand new skills. So some of it was learning how to prepare historical brick to have paint laid on it. Some of it is learning negotiation skills. Like this is my vision. And like, there's also a client at the end. So we can't just put pot leaves on everything. Right. Like, so like, yes. And hear you. And like, how do we alter this or talk about it in secret or whatever? So those are those skills, negotiation skills, which serve everybody in every space of life that we have to walk. And then there's like skills that go on a resume, right? So implementation, design, all of those. So there's like many different layers to it. Everything can be a skill. Some are ones that are already obtained. Some we have to like really nurture in people, but they're all skill building. And that's not even the central focus of it. Sometimes the central focus is just doing something else and surviving, right? That in and of itself is really like the focus of it. Everybody likes to talk about skills, but the other part of it is just doing something else. Rather it's harm reduction is a lot of it. Social capital is gaining it, but also Grant writing, in-kind mm-hmm. donations. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about code switching, which this is a lot of what we do with with my turn in another internship where we're like, okay, so we're out of popsicles and everybody's complaining. Do you guys want to see how we get free popsicles from Hannaford's? And so there's a script of in-kind donations for our 501c3. Hi, I'm at, you know, and so that is... Again, we talk about gatekeeping. Again, we talk about these like really expensive degrees that people need to have. But really, if you boil it down, it's code switching and it's figuring out what this grant language is so that they can in turn run their own projects and be the leaders in their own spheres. That's super powerful and cool. Yeah, it is. What are sort of maybe the potential like really long term impact that you hope that this project will have on the participating youth? 
I think it's about, for me, like my hope is that one, the clients see themselves in a different way than maybe they did previously, right? Like we all come to things like in our own heads with limitations, but then it's about the community, right? I want the community to see young people more than the shadow of their situation, because oftentimes young people are excluded from conversations about housing. They're excluded around topics in homelessness, right? So they're the forgotten demographic in that when really they are the solution makers. They are the ones that have the ideas that can help change our future. They are our now. They're not just our future, but they're the right now that needs to be invested in, uplifted, and heard by everybody. Yeah. And if you're talking about a narrative, like there's a really dangerous narrative that correlates unhoused individuals to terrorists. So they call Manchester, Manchikanistan, which is appalling and repulsive. And a lot of politicians that are coming up now, it's like the homeless issue, the homeless crisis. So when you empower, like a lot of our young people have now started to publish their own articles through Manchester Inkling, Carol Robodeau is amazing. And they're getting compensated for that as well. So these are individuals, like a few of them have created a collage that's going to be in our next show up at Kimball. Like these are not an amalgamation of terrifying act. These are our brothers and sisters. And you don't speak about your brothers and sisters in that way. Really well said. So the mural development process leans on the expertise and inspiration of New Hampshire artists who are queer, BIPOC, and differently abled. Can you tell us more about why this is a critical pillar of this initiative? How does it transform the narrative for unhoused youth? Yeah, I think so. Just seeing yourself as a leader in the space that you're in is really important. So I want to be taught by people of color. I want to be taught by queer women. I want to be taught by people who have been unhoused, who have been incarcerated, who are experiencing exile from their countries. Because there is an empathy that we all as artists, I'm sure, practice. But to actually have somebody that knows the experience and is so powerful to know that leadership in your space is the same as you is incredibly invigorating. And so this, I mean, you can also look at it as it's sort of our civic duty, right? Mm -hmm. To concentrate our efforts in the most underserved populations. Sometimes because I am a capitalist and because I deal in both the left and the right, I have to talk about things as money. And I don't understand why we're investing so much in general assistance in rehousing new Americans. And then we leave it at that. And we don't do entire wraparound services. We don't increase their visibility. We don't increase our presence, their presence, vice versa, in each other's spaces. So it seems like a sunken cost to me to do the bare minimum for our people and not continue to uplift our communities in a very enriching way that look at this space right here. So why couldn't we take a moment to intentionally target a new demographic to be amongst us today? It's hard work, but I think we can all do it in our spaces. And, it, and it's uncomfortable sometimes to have these conversations. And we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up and do ugly things. <laughs> That's growth. So. Yeah. <laughs> the growing pains, right? Yeah. Yeah. Logistically, what is the, the sort of development of the mural looked like? Like, how are you coming up with what are we painting? But also, when is it being painted? It's outside, right? Yeah, it is outside. (laughs) It will be done early November period. Like we have no choice. So they've been working eight hours a day every day when they can like, yeah. My gosh. 
So prompts are really interesting, right? And again, not like, okay, so we've moved plastic. Let's talk about diversity and you have the rainbow of skin color. Like prompts, what's the prompt? Why do we need you is the prompt. What do you mean? Why do we need you? Well, our city wouldn't be as cool as it is without you, without your inspiration, without your culture, without your, and we know them now after, for me, it's only been a year, but without your DJing capabilities, without these amazing cupcakes that you make, without this art, without, look at your fashion sense. The way that you wear clothes is very specific to you. And Manchester would suffer without this. So why do we need you? So this was the impetus for the mural. And again, poetry, collage, just merely ideas. There's three barriers of entry, three different payment types, right? So we're not trying to push anybody out. You show up, you're getting a a punch card, right? There's a lot of work that goes beyond that. There's drafts, there's editing, then there's the permitting, then there's talking to the local businesses that really are not smiling about Mm -hmm. what's going on. So shaking hands, introducing ourselves, being out there and that also this whole time that this is happening, you're having social engagement with young people and their mentors, right? So now you're having really antisocial people, perhaps myself included, as you've seen me today, start to engage. You're having people who one time, maybe instead of whatever you do, you're, you know, you start a little bit later, right? Just after the mural making sesh, right? So it's slow change. And it's again, our community is seeing and seeing this mural is massive. It's incredible. And it's true to everything from the notebook scribbles. Like, could we, we do have to present this to the board. We do have to present this. We got funding sources from Queer Elective, from the city of Manchester, from the Arts Council. So we have to present it and say, why does this stand? This is very true to these people's work. So... That I think is very important is that it's not, we didn't pick a lead artist that was like paint in my lines. Right. Color, you know, color by number. Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. How big is it? It's humongous. It's the entire backside of our building. (laughs) Wow. So when you're driving down Hanover Street in Manchester, going towards city center, it's there. It's huge and you can see it and it says lift every voice, right? So that is like kind of what ties it all together because every single image that's done is every young person's experience and story being told through this mural. And it's a way to kind of the through line that ties it together. I, I want to say it's like, no, I'm just making up numbers. 90 by 35. <laughs> it's huge. It's We're going to go away. Away. <laughs> <It's big. laughs> Uh, you had mentioned the punch card. Can we circle back to that? And will you explain the punch card? Because it's a really neat way that you're doing it. Well, there, so it's consistent showing upness, right? You can't just do a six week session for an hour and leave. Like, first of all, you have to garner trust, which is like so long. It's the same as the rest of us. How long? It takes me six months to go. I think I want to be friends with you. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> Let's try this out, right? (laughs) So it's the being there-ness. And then we have leaders that are in a little bit more of a comfortable place or that are about to transition from being unhoused into whatever is the next step that have a larger capacity for leadership, for supervisorial or for, you know, so, so that's a pay wage that's the same as our young facilitators, right? Then you have uh, another, like your base pay wage. It's very interesting, but like the leader has his team 
they get a base pay, and then you have your punch cards, which is a very easy barrier for entry. Doesn't matter. You show up, you sit down, you hang out. Who cares? Punch card. That's awesome. Yeah. And there was some real intention around that because like when we're a low barrier shelter, right? And so the aim is to like lessen any of the obstacles to be able to participate. And so when we have young people who have significant mental health issues, who have chaotic substance use, home is so unstable, things are risky, they maybe have trafficking involvement, whatever it is, is to be able to create like the least amount of obstacles for you to be able to show up hopefully like create if that's like where you're at. And if it's not like you still get paid, right? Because like at the end of the day, that's really important to your survival. That is what can feed you. That is what can help you to survive to the next night. And so all of that kind of encompasses it. And I I mean, this, I learned from, I love Christina D'Alessandro, but we're not giving you a gift card to Walmart. We're not giving you redeemable points. We are giving you Mm -hmm. cash. It's your money. You figure out how to use it because the resources for, Financial learning and all of this other stuff is available if you want you you handle your cash. That's not our business. So that's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Let's talk a little bit more about challenges. So what are some of the unique challenges of working with youth who are experiencing homelessness? And really, like we've already mentioned a lot of these. You've already mentioned a lot of these topics. How is this project addressing them? And then sort of what other challenges are you facing in the development or the execution of the project? Okay, so I love publicity. I love, 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 love being in the spotlight. (laughs) That's not what this is about. That's like hardcore, like some of the clients are in hiding. Some people cannot be seen. It's just about being there and creating. And so that's a really unique thing to think about. I remember in publishing... We do some article writing too, but there are elders that just want to do a profile on youth homelessness. And that's appalling. Let me take photos of them and just write about them. I'm not letting you in this space. It's not about, again, we're putting that power in the hands of these young people. They can choose to write the article. And that's not so easy. You can't just be like, yo, you do it. You have to sit, mentor, trust, love, back and forth, edit, what, like, Learning to write or having the power of voice is a whole spiel in itself. So that, that was a, an interesting thing to learn for myself. I mean, I think negotiating within systems is really hard. Anytime that we're like in this mercy where we have like funding that we have to go to, but then we also have like boards that have their own perspective on things. Right. And so that can be a challenge because optics are always the game that you have to play when there's public art involved and it can be really sometimes. And then to be able to like have to have that dialogue back and forth about like why this is important, why it matters, you know, why and have to like feel like you're always justifying this is a challenge. Right. So I like want to dispel that like the real challenge isn't about like the young people. That's not what it is. Like The real challenge is the systems that we have to try and operate within and that our young people have to operate within. Those are the real challenges, and those are the real shit challenges. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh. What factors are you considering when creating a safe space that people want to come to, especially in a setting that involves creating public art? You've talked about trust a lot. Like, what are the steps? for it to be built? There's a lot of it. So it's like physical space, right? Because if we have young people who are in hiding, who are trafficking, we have to monitor who comes in and out, 
who are the safe adults. There's vetting that has to happen in order for participation to happen. So there's that. And then so you have physical environment. And then you have the emotional space that has to be created, right? So it's about showing up all of the time and being there, good and bad, right? We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you on your good days. We love you on your bad days. We're here, right? And so there's the emotional space. So psychological safety, physical safety, all of those components kind of go together to create the actual space. And then the other space is like taking our perspective out of it, right? Mm. Because like we don't want to adult over or power over. We want to power share. And so that is a challenge, especially for adult people to want to do, because it's always this tendency to go, we know what's best for you. We know what's best for you. When like young people are the experts in their survival, they keep themselves alive every single day. Who am I to tell you? I'm nobody in this game, right? I'm here as the shepherd that's ferrying you along. And you're the one that really ultimately should be calling some of the shots here about what our interactions look like. And I'm the one that needs to respect that. Yeah, I think you also, you mentioned radical forgiveness, which is an insane thing because everybody wants to be a judge. And to quote my friend Jim, we have more than enough judges. So like working with the DOC, working with individuals that have been incarcerated, it's not my job. It's not my job to judge whether this person can be out or in or whatever. My job is to provide these enrichment activities and safe spaces such that we can have a healthy community and be prosperous for the future of our state and our local neighborhoods. Right. This is such a a broad question. Why is a program like this important for New Hampshire? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many reasons, right? Like, I think if thinking about it, and I've already mentioned some of this, but like in New Hampshire, we talk about the homeless issue without input of people with lived experience as experts at the table, as leaders shaping this conversation. Young people are excluded from that all of the time, right? We're also a very white state with very homogenized people in it. And I think when we're bringing that lens and uplifting voices who are not necessarily the same as everybody, right? We are doing a service to this state saying like people are here that have voices that we need to be listening to because we're all closing our ears and going la, 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 la and expecting anything to be different. And that's not real. That's not real. Let's talk about money. So my young people are going to literally listen to this and go, oh, yes. How's the creative economy going? How's the creative economy? So it's the creative economy is the fastest growing (laughs) economic sector globally. So we are creating essentially a market like a few years ago. There were not as many murals specifically in Manchester. Let's look at since that's where we're at. Now it's coming left and right. There's another mural festival. You know what I mean? And then you have a bunch of hireable, brilliant, young, creative people who are getting paid, who are putting money back in, we're creating the sector. New Hampshire is really tough on the arts, right? But all of us in this room right now are creating and bolstering this sector. And if you take one mentor into your heart, you can create it in younger populations. I want my job, I like my job. I'm creating a reason for it, I think. I don't know, maybe I'm making it up. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's just so good. (laughs) I was curious if you wanted to talk about myths around the work that you do, like perceptions that people might have. You kind of mentioned a lot, like neighbors have perceptions or biases. 
What are some things you want to debunk that people might not know about as far as the process goes? In what way? Because there's so there's many, a lot of ways. There's, there's I know a lot of ways. So <laughs> I guess more for like maybe the neighborhood and the people that are close by. Like, yeah, what would that be like like the reactions from abutters and how you're dealing with that. And we know both. I work in housing. I work at New Hampshire Housing. That's my my full time gig outside of Creative Guts. So talking about myths and misperceptions about housing is something that I do every minute of every day. But then sometimes on Creative Guts, we talk about what is it that you want people to know about arts? Because there's myths and misperceptions in there, too. So those two worlds are sort of colliding. What have been the reactions from people? The one that came to mind as you were speaking was that it's not these young people, it's the parents and it's the system. So it's really like it's really not an issue. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I love it. You probably get this way more than I do, Sarah. But it's like, just get them a job. We have jobs, get them hired. And you're like, that's not the, it's their parents. It's the system. It's a whole, it's like so many factors that go into this. So that's a real, it's not an easy, just get them a job right. done. Or the <laughs> word that it, that should be like the traditional pathway, right? So like, I remember having a conversation, it was an internal conversation and like, it was, but it was about like, okay, if we're going to pay young people, it was this internal debate about them having W9s or like this kind of stuff in order to like make this happen. And like, what a dumb idea because how many barriers do you have when you're experiencing homelessness to be able to furnish a W-9, right? Or mm -hmm. I have young people who don't even know their social security number that we can't even get right. because they've been thrown through the system for so long. So how is that making it like low barrier and breaking down obstacles, right? And so when we think about doing it in a different way, like through direct cash transfer, which is a best practice for youth, it's become a best practice in like youth homeless organizations. So this is actually like melding a few of those together, which I could get in like the social work weeds about it, but taking that away and actually doing it this way prevents those barriers from being an obstruction for somebody to do the things they need to do. Because realistically, like if I'm flying a sign on the side of the street, right, people are going to give me food all day long. I know because I've been there. People give you food all day long and you want cash, right? Because food is not going to buy me a toothbrush. Food is not going to do some of the things that I need in order to survive. Cash will. And so best practice is cash. So how do we do that? And so usurping some of that is always a thing. And so like trying to make sense of that too. And it, so it's like not just external, but it can be internal too, because people don't necessarily understand, especially if you work at an organization as a multi-service organization where this is like real radical for them, how, like, what are we doing? And then, so that's a reflection of like the community at large. Right. right. So, yeah. I don't know if any of that made sense and it's fine. No, it's incredible. And truly, like, there's so much value in us having this conversation and being here because there's so many things that you're saying that I've never thought about before, ever. And so I imagine that's true for some people in the audience, too. Like, the idea of W-9s and how do you deal with that issue never probably would have crossed my mind. It's incredibly mm -hmm. valuable to bring it to the surface, to have a platform for this this conversation. I'm, like, I'm really glad you're both here. <laughs> And I think it's time to collect some Ooh, look, we have questions. some questions. There looks like a lot of note cards coming Don't this way. pick up Rochelle's card. I see her. I see you. <laughs> no, we don't need this. She's been writing for a while. <laughs> I'm sure they're all. Is it a sonnet to me? Really Is it a sonnet question. of our life? Is that <laughs> <laughs> This is always very fun for us, too. 
to read your handwriting. Your handwriting, yes. (laughs) Fun slash a big fear. (laughs) I'm gonna. (laughs) I'm sure we won't screw it up. (laughs) Is there anything that you sort of haven't had the chance to say yet that you like want to make sure gets said and is out there? I was thinking about the stories of those young people that transition out. You know, like I don't know, whatever. School. Sometimes it's school. Sometimes it's actually getting an apartment. Like it's nice. It's nice. And then you have a friend. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you have friends. Like that's yeah. <laughs> well, so like in our services, we only serve young people up until their 25th birthday. Mm. And then you age out of our services. Right. Right. And so when we're doing things that are connecting young people to their community at large, outside of just the little island that is Waypoint, we're setting you up to be connected to your community beyond us because like we're not everything and can't be everything forever. And so it's about that longevity and moving it forward as well. Right. So people have community that they can go to. And when they're like transitioning out from the shelter into an apartment through like a housing pathway that we've navigated with them and we've walked, walked alongside them for, you're not ending up in an apartment going like, shit, I have nobody, right? Because often what I've seen and have encountered when I worked in adult services, this was often a truth, that people would get into housing, they would be isolated and alone. And so that is a really difficult challenge for somebody to navigate through. And so what we don't want to have happen is that. We want somebody to go into housing and then for that to be like a platform that they're also still participating in the community and can be for the rest of their life. Yeah. Keep sharing Sorry, a little listening. more. We also yeah. have a thing happening over here. <laughs> the audience really wants to be called out. This is our first audience question. It literally says, call us out on it. What should each one of us in the audience go home and do to support this project and others like it? Give us money. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, would you like to drop a link or? Uh... Oh shit! Do we even have one? I mean, you can, I think that our names are in the. We're here in the. This. We'll, we'll make it happen. Kimball Jenkins and Waypoint. You can look for Yaz and Sarah. We're very. Well. I think it's also about creating, like, if, if it's not like just through this, it's about facilitating mentorship opportunities with young people that have longevity and move forward, right? Like, the money piece is like, yes, like, we all want money, right? But really at the heart of it, it's about, is this work replicable and scalable, like, across time? And how do all of us have an implication in that, right? And right. every single one of us is part of being able to see young people. And so if any of us in this room are interfacing with young people, we're the ones that are seeing them. And if they're, you know, struggling at home or doing those things, we have an opportunity to step in and be an ally for them when they need it. Adults often don't do that. And it's really difficult to do. But if we're holding up and showing space the way we should be as adults, then we're connecting in the ways that we can. And so that's an opportunity as well. I think also you can see the people in politics that are cutting funding for organizations like this, organizations like Waypoint, money that's coming. So there's usually like, we had a really lovely surplus CEAG that we also got to benefit from to create public artworks. That's gone. So what does the next phase look like when we're done with this? And it's exhausting not only to burden the emotional aspects of our clients' lives, 
ourselves work the 40 hours do the grant writing and then do like the physical it's like it's like no wonder there's such a high turnover right so you have these like beautiful projects how do we make sure that the individuals involved in that aren't killing themselves in a sense so this ties into it a bit what you just answered but beyond funding how can adults be your best allies besides staying the hell out of your way But showing up for young people, that's really like what it is at its essence, right? Like if a young person and are there teachers out here? How many of you hands? Lots of hands. Okay. Woo. So you're probably like seeing young people more than their families are sometimes and are the stable place where young people are going. So when they're tired in school and they have a need for rest that isn't being met elsewhere and their clothes aren't clean and all of these things, you're the one that's in the position to be able to make a difference and to be able to get services involved, like through McKinney Vento or through us at Waypoint, right? We work with young people within the school systems to be able to provide shelter to minors 12 to 17, to be able to help bring young people into projects like this that have a transformative power to be able to help connect to other places and spaces in community that are important for them. You hold keys to that. And so, like, I throw it to you as community members because young people are everyone's responsibility. Right. But I think also sometimes it's really difficult. Like, I have this complaint from our elders, which is always like, I don't know how to find it. So right now in this room, Rochella Samard throws incredible events for young people at West High in Manchester. Amber Nicole Cannon is a disability rights activist and always involved in work like this. You know, you can follow us and we'll lead you to other people. You can send a message and go, dude, so I'm interested in drag shows. I want to be more involved in X, Y, and Z. Okay, so I guess it's also our duty to be like, yeah, 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 we need you. We need your eyes. We need your support. We need you to also like lean in on this language so we can change this narrative that we're fighting. I don't think it's alone. I think we just need exposure. Totally. (laughs) Right. This question's really sort of similar to some of the others. There's lots of thirst from the audience, clearly, for like calls to action. So for people not familiar with this work, what's an action item for people to put their hands in the work? Like, for example, for art educators in their spaces and art organizations, how can we truly make it community full circle? Man, I'm tired. You know what I mean? I'm up. I'm I'm tired. I think it's been yeah. a very full interview. I just, I mean, I, like, it's been I a lot of talking about it, right? It's like yep. voting correctly, supporting local yep. events that are catering to this. So, and I think the individual who spoke earlier today, get uncomfortable and do something different for once or twice or four times a year, right? Like what we do at KJ or Kimball Jenkins is we look at the calendar year and we go, what are the events that we always do? What are the ones that we want to be involved in? And what's the experiment stuff? And that's for the next year, what we're going to do so that we don't spend our energy everywhere, but we can have a strategic, all right, this is what we're going to bolster and look at and check out. Awesome. I think it's perfect. I think getting uncomfortable is just really good advice. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit more of a logistical type question. How do youth you work with gain transportation to work sites? Yeah. So the work site itself is actually at our shelter. So young people who are living at our shelter are there. So they, they live there. And then our drop-in center is actually in Manchester. And so most young people, if they're not staying at the shelter, are staying outside kind of around us. And we have a good sense of that. And so they're usually there in the morning. And then we provide transportation for any other young person. So 
I have one young person who's like couch surfing. We'll go and pick them up and just bring them to the center. And the same would be true for any other young person. We have a van. We'll just fill people in a van and come on over. We've also worked with The Courier before. So we have a partnership with them where we can just take our young people there all the time to explore. And that's highly beneficial yet again to be in areas like this. So we've taken them to Dancing Lion, to Hop Knot, you know, so it's like making friends with the local community. And our community is very supportive. And so we, you know, they meet more people. I love that. I love the, the Nature Conservancy has a bus. They all took the bus to Bear Brook. Oh, right. Cool. They did the real trail. Yeah. yeah. And that's like money that we, again, compensate. I'm like, make a Google form, fill it out, get people there. I'm going to pay you for that work. Handle it. Like, yes, it sounds like a great idea. You should be compensated. Right. Oh, full circle. Right. That's so awesome. I'm going to edit this question slightly while I ask it because I'm thinking about the conversation that we had earlier about physical safety and psychological safety. And what are you thinking about? Like people want to see the mural. What are you thinking about in terms of an unveiling or an event or some other way where you can safely invite people into the space to see the mural while not being invasive or putting that safety at at risk? risk. Yeah. The mural unveiling is a semi-closed event at this point. I think you can take a walk in Manchester and check it out. But for now, we have to have a invitation list. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. That's totally fair. <laughs> yep. 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 Amazing conversation. Okay. Yeah, truly. Both of truly. You. truly. We want to give you a little bit of time between sessions to network slash collect donations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to our guests as well, a round of applause. Thank you both so much for sharing everything you've shared today. Yeah. I echo Sarah's thoughts that it has opened up a lot of things to me and it's going to stay with me for a while. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thank you again, both of you. And with that, show us your creative dots. Great job. I really good shouter over there. (laughs) You all succeeded. Good job. Another huge thank you to Yasmin and Sarah for joining us on Creative Guts. This was a very powerful interview. Their work is a great example of how the arts can uplift voices of marginalized individuals, bring together a community, and empower youth. I not only thank Yasmin and Sarah for doing the work to make this program happen, but for sharing it with us and with the audience. I appreciate learning more about the program and some of what our homeless children and young adults face daily. I'm glad their voices are being heard through public art. I feel so honored to have had the opportunity to talk with Yasmin and Sarah and to be a platform for them to share about the work that they're doing. The work is clearly so carefully planned and personally meaningful to both of them, and their approach is appropriately sensitive and and thoughtful. And it takes a lot of time to build trust and create a safe place. So this work is neither speedy nor easy. It's just incredible to see the arts being used as a tool in this way. If you're interested in learning more or supporting this work, please visit waypointnh.org and kimballjenkins.com. Of course, we'd also like to thank the New Hampshire State Council on the Arts for inviting us to be part of their conference. Learn more about what they do at nh.gov slash nharts. 
As always, you can find those links and more in the episode description and on our website, creativegutspodcast.com. You will find us on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Guts Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. Creative Guts.